Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. On this Thursday afternoon, good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? We are live from Sanderson Ford today, 51st Avenue, just south yeah. of Glendale. Yep. Tell everybody it's it's my home away from home. Indeed, I mean, ever right? since I uh, ever since I moved to the Valley, I, I purchased all my vehicles from Sanderson Ford to Sanderson Lincoln. First found out about them from Al McCoy, um, and uh, I've been shopping here ever since. So we are here at Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale. If you're looking for an F-150 truck or a Bronco or a Mach-E They've got a great selection, new inventory arriving daily. Come on, take a look. They'll get you set up in a new vehicle. We're also giving away the big red rig today. Yes. Will Hernandez from the Cardinals will be down here. Somewhere around 5 o'clock, we're going to give away the big red rig. And uh, i got to need to tell you about one other thing they're doing. They are auctioning off a brand new F-150 Lightning for Fighter Country Foundation. They support the men, women, and families of the Luke Air Force Base. It's the primary training site of the next generation F-35-2 Lightning fighter jets. And Sanderson Ford is donating an F-150 Lightning, and it's going to be auctioned off at the Barrett-Jackson Auto Auction. All proceeds will be donated to Fighter Country Foundation, courtesy of the Barrett-Jackson Auto Auction and Sanderson Charities. So if you uh, you want to get involved in a in a great auction and get an F-150 Lightning, Barrett Jackson Auto Show. They'll be watching cool. it up there. Yep, Big Red Rig is staring us right in the face, right in front of us. The, Ooh, the culmination yeah, of a months-long uh, effort to, to get people registered to win this. And today we'll find out who has won uh, the Big Red Rig that's staring us right in the eyes here as we're inside the showroom at Sanderson Ford. We'll be here until 6 o'clock, even a little bit after 6 o'clock tonight. A little bonus coverage tonight. Uh, a little bonus. A little bonus. Yeah, a little bonus burns again yeah. about tonight. Yep, we got a lot going on. It's a busy day. we got a lot to get into so let's uh, roll up our sleeves, get to work, and weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. And the shot clock is off, so the Nuggets will dribble it across and use the rest of the eight seconds to solidify their 12th straight home victory. The final score, Nuggets 126, Suns 97. Look away. Look away. Look away. Oh, boy. Wow. You know, that was bad. But predictable. Of course. Of course. Right? I mean, there's this phrase in the NBA, and I think most people listening to us know it. It's a schedule loss, right? Where you just <laughs> you look at it and go, okay, yeah, no. Right? Right. And, and last night was just the classic cliche schedule loss. You, you're, you're First of all, you're shorthanded. You're still missing all those guys that you didn't have against Golden State. You played, they're rested. You're right. You played, they're rested. They don't lose at home. What did John Bloom tweet out? That he, he crawled into bed like at 5 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. They finally got to their hotel room right. in Denver. That's one of those ones where you just, if you don't lose that game, it's a real pleasant surprise. But when you get the schedule back in whenever it comes out, August, you just circle games like that and go, mm-hmm. loss, loss. Okay, there's a loss. There's a loss. That, that's what last night was. It and was they started Dario and Dwayne Washington Jr. and Torrey Craig and Bismack Biombo. 
Look, the Nuggets ended up winning their 12th consecutive home game. Jokic was incredible um, for the short amount of time that he played in. He almost had a triple-double, 21 points, 18 rebounds, 9 assists. That Highland was knocking him down from uh, from uh, three-point range like they were going out of style. Um, Jamal Murray did leave the game with a sprained ankle, but they say it's nothing to worry about. I thought the Suns came out. Ha, you know, had some fight in them, but but KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, three point, a three point, a three point. Yeah, like the four in the first quarter, he kept knocking them down. But the Suns were hanging in there. Uh, it was 34 28. Second quarter, Denver opened it up and it was over. I mean, it was just the game was just over. Yep. Bones Highland hits a three and then he hits another three and it's 50 to 33. And it's like, it's, this isn't going to get any better. I think you knew it. It was one of those games, and there's been quite a few of them this year where a game was over by halftime. Yeah, it was. And, I think Kellen in his write-up, we'll have Kellen Olson on a little bit later for his weekly segment, I think he, he put it perfectly, in that Golden State didn't respect the Suns. That was very obvious a couple of nights ago. Golden State thought they were getting all their guys back, looked on the other side of the floor, saw who wasn't playing for the Suns, and thought, we can play at 60% tonight and still beat that team. They were wrong. They got thumped. Denver paid more respect to the Suns than that. Denver respected Phoenix more than that. Say, yeah, they might be missing book. Yeah, they might be down Aiton and Paul and Cam Johnson. We can't disrespect them like the Warriors did the night before. We're not going to. And I think that's what you saw in the first half of that game was just we're not going to give them any oxygen at all. We're, we're just going to cut them off right now and, and not give them any belief that they could possibly win this game. And I think it was like a 24-6 run or whatever to start the second quarter. And, and that was that. Now for the Suns, they don't play again until tomorrow. They're in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Then it's a game against Memphis on MLK Day on Monday. And then after that, they don't play until Thursday of next week. So they've only yeah. got two games over the next week, which hopefully, please, basketball gods, begging of you, I'll, I'll, I'll make a sacrifice at the basketball god altar. What do you want? Give us some guys back. Right? At some point in the next yeah. week, give us some guys back. Some, give me a Chris Paul. Give me DeAndre Ayton. Give me a Landry Shamit. Give me some dudes. Give me some dudes because this, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work for much longer with the way it is. And that's what's got you a little concerned big yeah. picture is to take a look at the standings and kind of see where everybody fits right well, now. Well, I mean, just do start to do the math. The Suns have played 43 basketball games out of 82. You know, that means there's only 39 games left. You start to look at the numbers – and I don't think they're catching any of these teams. They're not going to catch the Denver Nuggets. They're not going to catch the Memphis Grizzlies. And the reason being, they are nine games behind the Denver Nuggets in the loss column. They're nine games behind the Memphis Grizzlies in the loss column. Mm-hmm. Then you start to look at three, the Pelicans. They are five games behind the Pelicans in the loss column. Now you say, okay, can you get a top four seed? Well, Sacramento has 18 losses, so you're four games behind Sacramento, three behind Dallas, and you're also behind the Clippers. You start to like you start to do the math with 39 games left, and you'd be like, they're not catching some of those teams at the top. I'm telling you right Right now they're not going to catch him, which may be okay. But you also start to thinking, you know, I mean, are you, are you destined for a six, seven, or eight seed? Are you destined for that? Because they still don't have their guys back. You lose this game to Minnesota, and then you lose to Memphis, and now you're talking about the Suns being twenty-one and twenty-four. Mm-hmm. And now, so that's what you're starting to think. Look, you want to avoid the playing game at all costs. You do. You want to get your guys back and avoid the playing game. I believe that they will avoid the playing game once they get everybody back. But you're thinking yourself such a 
hole right now that there's just there's teams ahead of you that you're just not going to catch. For just a second, let's I mean, and for just a brief moment, let's marvel at the fact that right now the Sacramento Kings are the fourth seed in the Western Conference. Bravo to that, right? I mean, that, whoa, hey, look, Sacramento number four, right? But beyond that, I for me the cutoff right now is like I, I I think it would be a minor miracle if they had home court advantage in the first round a top four seed I I, I, it's, I don't think they can it's attainable but in theory it's attainable in reality I don't think they're getting into the top four I would be grateful to the basketball gods if the Suns could avoid the play-in tournament I don't know if that's going to happen I don't know if I, I well, right now they're playing the Warriors in a play-in tournament if the playoffs were today I think you're right I think when they get guys back. They'll be able because right They'll now move ahead of some teams. Yeah, I mean, right now they're a one game in the loss column behind the LA Clippers for sixth in mm-hmm. the West. All right, if they can maintain that gap, stay a game or two back of the sixth spot, I think they'll be fine. I think once they get Booker back, I think they'll be fine as long as they're still a game or two back of the sixth spot. I think they'll be okay to emerge out of the play-in tournament and avoid the play-in tournament. But if that gap between six and seven grows to three games. Games, four games, and now you only have they're one, 25 games to make it up, that's when I really get to worry about that stuff. They're one game out of not being in the playoffs at all. Oh, I know. So if you want to look at it the other way and not look at it, okay, what can you do going forward? Look at it going backwards. You lose to Minnesota, they pass you. Right, you lose to Minnesota, they're twenty one and twenty two and you're twenty one and twenty three. They pass you. So you'll be behind Golden State, the Jazz and Minnesota, and then you'll be in tenth place if you lose that game, likely be in tenth place if you lose to the Timberwolves. So you're very close to you know, there's there's one, two, three, four, five teams. Let me see, one, two, three, five teams below Phoenix that are within one game of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So that's why I looked at it last night. And I didn't want to look at it like, okay, they played, they lost, they got clobbered. What are we going to say about that? Look at the standings. Like it's 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 a dangerous time right now if you're a Phoenix Suns. Yeah, fan. it is, especially with Book not coming back anytime soon, which puts the extra emphasis on the three guys that I mentioned and Cam Johnson. If in the next couple of weeks those guys can find their way back to the court, then maybe they can stay within striking distance of six. And if they can stay within a game or two of six, I think they'll get out of the play-in tournament once they get Devin Booker back. But they've got to keep it close. They've got to keep it within no more than three games. I think if they fall more than three games back of six, they're destined to be in the play-in tournament. And then who knows what's going to happen. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, who knows what's going to happen when it comes to the Cardinals and their coaching search. We did get some more knowledge today. More guys who have been given permission to interview with the Cardinals. We'll give you the very latest next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Back here on this Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, as always. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadero, Dave Burns. We've got the uh, whole team with you on this Thursday. Back in the auction community studios, our producer, Mitch Vareldis, our afternoon contributor and update guy, Eric Ruby. And, of course, the Cardinals coaching search, the Sean Payton news yesterday. And, and we'll have a little 
more in the way of details on Sean Payton coming up at the bottom of the hour. You're going to want to hear some of that, including some interesting kind of theories being thrown around out there about teams that are and are not actually in on Sean Payton. But let's start, Gambo, with a couple of other things that we actually now know about this coaching search for the Cardinals. And and let's start with maybe the obvious, but the one that we expected to happen. According to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, the Arizona Cardinals are expected to interview defensive coordinator Vance Joseph for the head coaching job sometime next week, according to sources. Vance Joseph, the former Broncos head coach, has spent three years as the Arizona D.C. and is well-respected in the building. Yeah, and, you know, we've, we've talked about it at various times of Vance. Vance has had a... A strange situation. He, he got here, and after the first year, everybody wanted to fire him. After the first year. This defense is terrible. Get rid of Vance. They stuck with Vance, and the defense got a lot better. But then with injuries and everything, it slid back again. and wasn't very good. So I think with, with Vance, it started rough, and then it got a lot better, and then it kind of ended rough. Now, last year, he did have an interview with Miami. And there was even a time last year, I think when it were 10-2, and two, me and you were talking about it, like Vance Joseph was going to get a head coaching job. Now, and I, don't, I don't feel that way right now. Now, but a year ago, when they were ten and two, okay, okay, fourteen months ago, right now, yeah, we were talking about Vance Joseph making a head coaching job. He was doing such a great job with that defense, and then everything, you know, went to hell in a handbasket, and they fell apart at the end of the season, and they had a miserable year this year. You know, Cliff gets fired. Vance, you know, they they haven't look. I think out of respect to Vance, you interview him. I don't think they'll hire him, but I they haven't dismissed him and said every coach is gone. They'll they'll interview Vance and. But I wouldn't expect that he's going to get that job. I'll go you one further. I, I mean, yes, last year we were talking about it. I even remember you and I having conversations about it this year. Um, and I'm, I'm pointing in particular to a four-game stretch where the Cardinals, five-game stretch, really, where they allowed 23 points to the Vegas Raiders in overtime, 12 points to the Rams, 16 points to Carolina, 17 points to the Eagles, uh, or 20 points to the Eagles, I should say, 19 points to Seattle. It's a good stretch right there. It, it wasn't really until that, that Thursday night game against the Saints where the defense, and, and I mean, look, it's a phrase I use all the time. Vance Joseph, for most of the year, was bringing a knife to a gunfight with that defense. We, we talked all year long about how all the money was spent on the offense. All of it. How he, he, he didn't have proven commodities. He never got the edge rusher they were looking for, never really got the up great a cornerback they were looking for. They tried with Jeff Gladney. Vance Joseph really had to make do with significant less in terms of resources compared to the offense. So for them to get off to that start, then they played the Saints. They gave a bunch of yards, a bunch of points to the Saints, even though they won the game. And the wheels kind of fell off the defense after that. I think that the lack of depth really caught up with them. The injuries started to catch up with them. Um, but I remember even a third of the way through this season talking about Vance Joseph like, that dude might get a head coaching job next year. Mm-hmm. And then it all went to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. I mean, he was the head coach before with the Denver Broncos. You always felt felt like, okay, second time you get second time will be better. You know, it was for many coaches. Um, like Pete Carroll, but third time for Pete Carroll, right? New England, the Jets. And so for some guys, it does. You know, you need to learn that for Bill Belichick, for goodness sake, was the Cleveland sure. Browns coach and he got fired. He wasn't any good. You know, after he left the Giants as the defensive coordinator, Bill Belichick won two Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator with Bill Parsons. Sells, went to Cleveland, failed, and then eventually became the greatest coach in the history of the game. So I do think that, you know, that at some point, you know, Vance may be worthy of getting that opportunity. But, and I do, and I would say this, like, 
you know, Cliff, maybe Cliff can end up in New England as the offensive coordinator because of the Belichick ties. Uh-huh. I'd be very surprised if Vance doesn't end up as a D.C. somewhere else. He may not get a head coaching job, but for all these jobs that are open, would somebody go to Vance, former head coach, you know, good leader, has had some success and say, okay, be a D.C.? Like, I don't think, you know, I think there's a chance that he can end up again as a coordinator. I could see that. I, I could see that, too. Here's Michael Bidwell on Monday when they announced that Cliff had been fired. Um, suggesting they might interview Vance Joseph. I expect that we may uh, interview an internal candidate, uh, and I, I think we will, but uh, I have not. Uh, uh, we have not done that interview, And uh, but what I have done is is um, we've had the interviews with both Quentin Harris and uh, Adrian Wilson. Now, I'll tell you who came to Vance's defense today on social media, and that would be one Buda Baker. And I'm just seeing this just now. Um, Johnny Venerable covers the team for PHNX Sports, and he pointed out on Twitter, under Vance Joseph in 2022, the Cardinals allowed the second most points in the NFL at 26.4. Joseph was historically stringent with the playing time of Arizona youngsters, despite being gifted top picks Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, Isaiah Simmons, and Zayvon Collins. Buda Baker retweeted it and said, quote, don't do that to my guy. This is a complimentary game. You have to play complimentary football in this league. Just looking at the stat book doesn't reflect on the games you watch. Just put the tape on. I'm a player that literally lived through the bleep week after week. Game plans were honest. A mix of non-complimentary football and mistakes made by players. But I understand fans cannot see that through the naked eye. Either way, I just want to win, baby. Every time I did an interview with another radio station when the Cardinals were playing somebody, you know this, we get asked on a regular basis to do, you have to play in the 49ers, San Francisco radio will call. They're playing in Seattle, Seattle will call. So I end up doing a bunch of these interviews, and every and every time somebody would say, the Cardinals defense is trash, and it's no, because they would just, I mean, you're, I'd say you're just going by the numbers. You're really just going by the numbers. It's really not that bad. You know, and I didn't think it was that bad. And, and part of it was the Kansas City game was a total blowout, and that kind of skewed some numbers. There was a couple of games that skewed them. And then you're right, eventually it got to the point where you don't, you don't have a pass rush. Right. You don't have, you know, you're trying to get a pat. You're trying to get Cameron Thomas or Myshai Sanders. Uh, you got nothing out of Marcus Golden this year. Nothing. I mean, that's not Vance's fault. They didn't get a pass rush, and and then, you know, the unfortunate loss of Gladney. They just they were kind of thin at cornerback, and then they're playing a lot of they were playing a lot of young guys. Byron Murphy was hurt for Byron most Murphy of the was second hurt, half right? of the year, right? Like, I, you know, I do think that Vance is is a quality coach. I'm not like I think he's a quality coach. He should be a defensive coordinator in this league, and I do think at some point he. May get a head coaching job. I think he'll be better suited to get that job coming off a better year yeah. than what the Cardinals just had right, right now. All right, a couple other things to pass along to you. And now, for the first time, other than Sean Payton and other than Vance Joseph, we have a confirmed uh, interview request at head coach. According to multiple reports, the Arizona Cardinals have requested an interview with San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan. This is my number two choice if I can't have Sean Payton. Matt Barrow's reporting this. The D'Amico Ryans has now received interview requests from Denver, Houston, Carolina, and Arizona. Yeah. He's your number two. He's my number two. He's a young guy, played in the league for 10 years. He can relate to these players. That's San Francisco defense. Now, they've got great players, but they were the best in the league at points per game, 16.3. They were the best in the league at yards per game at 
300.6. To me, if you can't get Sean Payton, I want D'Amico Ryans. That's the guy I want, and I'd want him bad. I think he could be an excellent coach. Ten years in the league as a player. It's been a couple years for defensive coordinator with San Francisco. I said this about the the two you know candidates with the 49ers that you know for for GM Rank uh, Carthon and Adam Peters. And Peters isn't going to take take any interviews, but you know that tree is really good. You yeah. come from that San Francisco pipeline. There's a lot of success there. The Washington general manager, the Miami coach, the the Jets coach. Like there's a lot of success coming from that pipeline. I, out of all the names that I've heard, and includes Jim Harbaugh, I would want D'Amico Ryans if I cannot get Sean Payton. Yep, and there was uh, one more to pass along as well, and this is for the front office. According to Adam Schefter, the Cardinals have requested permission to interview Ravens Director of Player Personnel Joe Horitz for their general manager job. He interviewed last year for the Giants and Steelers GM jobs. He spent 25 seasons with the Ravens. Pretty successful organization when yeah. it comes to roster building. Very successful organization. Um, I think at one point he had turned down a Rams job a few years ago, stayed with the Ravens, but maybe ready to go take a job here. You Listen, you, you look for quality organizations like the Rams that have had a lot of success in drafting and free agents and teams that are perennially, perennially in the playoffs and challenging for the playoffs. You know, those are good quality, quality candidates. Now, we don't know as much about the GM candidates as we do about the coaching candidates, so it's hard for me to just, because I don't know much about them, but I do know it comes from a good organization, good track record, been yeah. there for a long time, solid, solid guy to, to, to interview. The countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun. Bud Light Fan Duel Arizona Sports wants you to be there in person. So here's what you do. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, plus you'll win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access, and it's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. So after we went off the air last night, more information came out regarding the arms race to get Sean Payton as the next head coach. Do the Cardinals have more competition? than we knew about. That's next. Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, let's send it back to the auction community studios where Eric Ruby is standing by. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day. Rubes, what you got for us today? Well, you guys touched on it a little bit last segment, but we had to ask the people how they felt as well. So if not Sean Payton, who would be your next best option oh, as head coach for the that. Arizona Cardinals? I just said that. You oh, did. I didn't even know that was the poll you question. You did. I That's the that. Synergy we've got going on here. You've been separated. That's right. We got synergy. That's right. I like yeah. to call it accidental brilliance, but yeah, it's kind of synergy as well. It's ac- accidental brilliance. It has to be accidental because we've already agreed this is the dumbest show on radio. We have a, we've agreed to that. It's really become our mantra for 2023, really. Listen to us. We're the dumbest show on radio. <laughs> dilly, dilly. <laughs> All right. What are, my, what are my options on this brilliant, accidentally brilliant poll question, Eric? Option number one is D'Amico Ryans. Yes. Option number two is Jim Harbaugh. Option number three is Vance Joseph, and option number four is open-ended. You can write in your own answer. Ooh. Ooh. Ah, man, I'm going D'Amico Ryan so bad. I think he would be a great head coaching candidate. I... I, First time, but he's, he's... And he's young. He's young. 
Man, that defense, that defense is great. Just trying to think of somebody else out there that I would want to fill into the other category. The enemy Definitely. is a name. The enemy's out there. You know, I'll tell you, there's a name out there, and he's just not getting much traction, and I'm really surprised by it. And that's the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Leslie Frazier. Yeah, great name. He's been a head coach mm-hmm. in this league. Great name. He's a veteran guy. He has been around, man. He has been through it. And, and I, I'm just surprised his name isn't getting a little sticky with some other teams. Like, like someone's not thinking about him. I'm going to go with D'Amico Ryan's. Um, yes. Of those three, certainly he is the one that, that I would. You want another reason why? Everybody talks about the investment that they have in Kyla Murray, right? Mm-hmm. They got a first round investment in Isaiah Simmons. They've got a first round investment in Zayvon Collins. They've got, you know, they drafted, um, you know, Majai Sanders and Cameron Thomas. Like, there's, there's a lot of defensive players too that you want to get the most out of, especially the two first round draft picks. So, like to me, D'Amico Ryan's like, yeah, okay, you hire a great offensive coordinator and let him work with Kyler, but I might have a guy that might be able to get the most out of these first round draft picks so that they don't end up leaving a la Hassan Reddick. Yeah. What's our audience say on this one? Ooh, we've got a close one, but slightly leading the way at 42.1% is D'Amico Ryan's in second place at 41.6%. It's Jim Harbaugh. 8.9% going Vance Joseph, 7.5% going other. Count me definitively out on Jim Harbaugh. Yep, no interest. None. Sorry, Michigan fans. Nothing personal. No, thank you. Nope. No, thank you. Jim Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans. Give me D'Amico Ryans. Keep walking. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued by Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. I'm intrigued by him. He's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks, a yeah. lot of different styles, but I'm, I'm a little nervous about that just because I don't want... I don't want to go down the route of, hey, let's hire a great play caller. You know, let's hire a great offensive mastermind. Yeah, you know, it seems I, I, like we've just done that. I, it does. I, I want to. I, I want to. I'm intrigued by it because he has worked with many, many different styles of quarterbacks, and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of down with that. But it also feels like we just went down that road, and it might be time for something else. All right, thank you, Eric. That is a very good poll question. Interesting that it's running so close. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. He after we went off the air last night, there was all sorts of information that kind of came out about. Sean Payton. None of it, like, really new necessarily, but some of it's very interesting. Of course, yesterday during our show, or right before our show, we found out that the Cardinals had received permission to speak with Sean Payton. So, too, had the Houston Texans. The interesting piece of information that came out, there's a couple of them. One of them came from Nick Underhill. He covers the New Orleans Saints for a, it, it's not a traditional website, it's neworleans.football, um, but he seems to be fairly well connected because he's citing sources and things like that. He's verified on Twitter for what it's worth. He tweeted this out. I'm willing to say all five teams with coach openings have called on Sean Payton, and three have passed through so far. He was asked for clarification. What do you mean by pass through? Does this mean that the Saints and Sean have agreed to let Sean meet with them? And Nick Underhill said, pass through to the interview phase. So spoke with New Orleans, had a conversation on compensation, and agreed to such compensation to where they could do an interview. That's what he said later in a thread. Has to be. Has to be that. All five teams came to the Saints, and only three made the grade to pass through to the next level. Now, some people interpreted it as the Saints said no to the Panthers because they're in the same division and they don't want Sean Payton going. And he said no. No, the Saints would have no problem if he went to the Carolina Panthers. None. It's not that. It's 
It is exactly what you just said. Five teams came to the Saints looking for permission. Three of them agreed to the requisite amount of compensation that will be required to make this happen. The Cardinals, the Texans, the Broncos. The other two checked in and asked. And they decided it was too rich for their blood and they wanted out. So this tells me, again, whatever it is the Cardinals could potentially give up for Sean Payton, they're willing to do so, right? They've, they've had this conversation mm-hmm. with the Saints. Otherwise, they're not getting the interview with Sean Payton. So it stands to reason. But I would love to hear soon that it's not the number three overall pick. I don't think it will be. Like, I would be... I would be upset and floored if the Cardinals gave up the third pick in the draft to get Sean Payton as their coach. I mean, give him a future first. I mean, even if you have to roll the dice that you're going to be bad next year and you give him next year's first, okay. Because there's a chance you win six, seven games and it's not a top five pick right? because Sean Payton's your coach. So I would I would much rather give up next year's first round pick, not even knowing what it is, than give up this year's first round pick. I don't want to give up either one because if Kyler Murray has a terrible year I know. and I get a top five pick next year, I might want to draft my quarterback of the future next year. Let me propose an alternative to you. Tell me what you think about this. Tell me if, if this is too rich for Gambo's blood. Okay? Okay. I'm reading a story from uh, NOLA.com. I think you cited this story yesterday from yes, Jeff Duncan, right? I did. You, yep. you, you read some quotes from it yesterday. Yep. I was reading it a little deeper today, and they wrote, he wrote, quote, I'd be surprised if Mickey Loomis accepted anything less than a 2023 first-round pick unless... The package was accompanied by a future first-rounder as a sweetener. Yeah. Would you give up this year's second and next year's first for Sean Payton? No. Is that too rich for your blood? Too rich for my blood. Okay. See, now I would do that. A first and a second? I would do that. Oh, my God. I would do that. I would I would give up this year's second and next year's first for Sean Payton. I would do that. Well, you know what you have to do? You have to go through the interview process, and you have to decide. What is the gap between Sean Payton and the next best guy? It really is the, 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 the honest question. If the gap is gigantic, like, oh, my God, they, they, like these guys, are, these other guys are deer in a headlight. They've never been a head coach before. There's just no – and Sean Payton is like, if I hire this guy, he's going to turn my entire organization around. But then maybe you have to. Maybe you have to. What I would hope is that the gap is there's a gap, but it's not as big as you think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Payton's won a lot of games. He's won a Super Bowl. Um if the ga- if you if you interview D'Amico Ryan's or somebody else and you're blown away by them and you really feel like they okay well then maybe you don't give up the first and the second so I would say you only do what you're saying mm-hmm. is if you go through this interview process and it's like man it's not even close yeah. what this guy would do for our organization his plan his vision like we would win. We would win if we didn't have any draft picks. Mm-hmm. Like then you, then you might have to do that. But right now, you, for you asking me, I think that's way too rich for you my blood. That's a, that's a good, deeper way of looking at it than by kind of surface level, just yes or no. Would you do it? Would you not? Sort of thing. Because I mean, there is there is a very real chance. And I forgot to mention in the last segment too, they did have the interview with Ian Cunningham today, the assistant GM of the Bears, who also was with the Eagles and the Ravens, and so there's good pedigree there. Um, there's a very real chance they do get blown away by an external candidate who's not Sean Payton. That D'Amico Ryans comes in here, or that maybe they get the San Francisco guys as a package deal, right? They get their director of player personnel, and they get D'Amico Ryans, and that becomes a package deal. So like Rand Carthon and D'Amico Ryans together? Perhaps, right. You, can, you get those guys as a, as a package, and maybe the gap between them isn't as wide with Sean Payton. I, I just I feel like Sean Payton is, okay, he's not Bill Belichick. Check, but I also feel like he's a he's a hungry coach who's 
who's transformative. And, and if you go back and you look typically at compensation for coaches like him, usually you're very glad you paid it. I'll go two seconds. Would you go two seconds? I'm not giving up next year's first if I have to give up a second this year. Okay. Because that second is very close to a first. Oh, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> right? It's the oh. third pick in the second. It's a great pick. Yeah, it is. And then you want to give up next year's first, which without Kyler, like, it might be a top ten pick. Like, that becomes, at some point, like, I need players, too. Of course. <laughs> and, and I guess the other alternative to that is if you were to do that, then I think the chances that you're trading number three and getting multiple picks high. Just, just multiplied. Become higher. Yes. Just multiplied. Because now I don't have a second. If i got to give up my second this year and something next year. And if I don't have a first next year, let's say it goes to that extreme. Yeah, I'm trading a pick. I think you trade that pick now. Most likely. It's a good point. Yeah. You're more you're more likely to trade it knowing that I need. Because if you, and again, if you could only move down five spots and get three or four extra picks, you do it. If I, could, if I trade down from 3 to 8 or 9 or 7, 8, 9, 10, and I'm still going to get a really good player, maybe I get the best. Uh, maybe, you know, we haven't talked about this. Maybe you get the best offensive lineman. Instead of the best defensive player, maybe you get the best offensive lineman at 7 or 8 or 6 or wherever you may trade to. And then you get these extra picks, could, which could, you know, offset the loss to get Sean Payton. Potentially, yeah. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we are two days away from the start of the NFL playoffs. Is Tom Brady really the ninth best quarterback in this postseason? Is Patrick Mahomes really the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs? What? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Sanderson Ford today, 51st Avenue, just south of Glendale. Glendale. Tell the folks why, Gambo. Well, we're giving away the big red rig today. This custom F-150 truck. Going to give that away at 5 o'clock. Real excited about that. But if you're looking for a new car, truck, or SUV, Sanderson Ford. They are right here, 51st Avenue, just south of Glendale. This is where I purchased my Mustang Mach-E. I absolutely love it. They've got all the F-150s and the Bronco and the Bronco Sports. So come on down. Check out Sanderson Ford online at Sanderson Ford. But with new inventory arriving daily and a great selection, if you're not finding what you're looking for somewhere else, come on over to Sanderson Ford. It is a remarkable stat. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs this year. He's a baby. That's nuts. Come on. That's nuts. Let's see. It's it's Herbert. Right. Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen. Whomever is playing for Miami, I guess. Uh, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, whoever's playing for. Doesn't yeah. look like it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Looks like it's going to be Tyler Huntley. Um, whoever's playing for well, Baltimore. I mean, yeah. I, I, and, yeah, I mean, I guess when you phrase it that way, it sort of makes sense. It's just he see, seems so young. You know, the first, th- the first thing I think about with that is you start to go through the teams. Ben retired last year. Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. you know, you had Tom Brady leave and go to the NFC, you know, in recent, you know, not too distant future, Peyton Manning retire. You start to go through the teams in the AFC. Now, Russell Wilson didn't make the playoffs. Now, they brought Russell Wilson in, but they they weren't able to make the playoffs. But you go through all those teams and a lot of young quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, every team, Buffalo's young quarterback, Miami, young quarterback, New England, young quarterback, the Jets, young quarterback, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Cleveland, young quarterbacks. Jacksonville, young quarterback. You know, the only teams that that have a veteran quarterback, you've got a veteran quarterback in Tennessee. 
You had a veteran quarterback with the Raiders, and you had a veteran quarterback with the Broncos. That's it. That's it. You only had three teams that had veteran quarterbacks. Everybody else is starting a super young quarterback. Kansas, you know, and I'm not saying Mahomes is super young, but the Chargers have a young quarterback, mm-hmm. right? And go through the rest of the team. The AFC East, all young quarterbacks. The North, all young quarterbacks. The South, all young quarterbacks except for Tennessee. So this was likely that something like this was going to happen because a lot of the old guard has left and retired or moved on. And so now you've got so many young quarterbacks in the AFC. It's one of those things when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. It's just you read it. And you kind of have this, wait, what kind of reaction, you know, because in, in the minds of some, it kind of feels like Patrick Mahomes just got here. And, and of course he didn't. He's had nothing but success since he's been here. I mean, the dude has never played a playoff game that wasn't at Arrowhead Stadium, which to me is another kind of remarkable, outside of the Super Bowl, obviously, which to me is another kind of remarkable stat about him, in which, oh, by the way, it was announced today, if it's the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC title game, Atlanta. It's going to be in Atlanta. It'll be played in Atlanta. Yeah. I'm just thinking Andrew Luck retired. Uh-huh. Phillip Rivers uh-huh. was a longtime quarterback with the Chargers. He's gone. You just go through the quarterbacks. And then, you know, with Ben retiring last year, man, it's just there are no veteran quarterbacks in the AFC. They're all young. Just a couple of old guys, two or three old guys, and that's it. Well, if you want to flesh it out even more, yeah? here's the story ranking quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks this year who played in the NFL. All right. I loved this. Okay. Here's the, it's really long. We'll get to Tom Brady in a second. It. It's really long. I really yeah. like this too. But here's the first thing I noticed when I looked through the list. Okay. Okay. Um, Patrick Mahomes, one. Justin Herbert, two. Josh Allen, three. Joe Burrow, four. Lamar Jackson, five. Dak Prescott, six. I have to go five quarterbacks before I even get to an NFC quarterback. Yeah. Right? And then Trevor Lawrence, seven. And then, I mean, it's, it's like well, AFC, 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 right? All these young guys. That, that conference well, has become like a gathering place for young, potentially great quarterbacks. And, and I'll go back to a conversation we had a year ago or maybe even two years ago. That was the benefit of Kyler Murray being in the NFC. That was the benefit of Kyler Murray being in the NFC. He wasn't in the AFC with all these good young stud quarterbacks. He was in the NFC. Who do you got in the NFC as your quarterbacks? There was, a, you know, a year ago, there was unknowns everywhere. There was an unknown in Dallas. There was an unknown in Philly. There was an unknown in New York. There's unknown in Washington. Unknown in Chicago. Unknown in San Francisco. Unknown in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go a year ago, like, we're really talking about, like, oh, what a benefit the Cardinals have. They've got one of those guys, but not in the AFC and the NFC. He's going to dominate the NFC. There's yep. no good quarterbacks there. you got an old Tom Brady and an old Aaron Rodgers. What else did you have in the NFC? And I think as long as the Cardinals hire the right coach to challenge Kyler, to make Kyler be great, I still think that's true. I still think that basic theory that you just shared yeah. still exists, really, when you look around the NFC. I, I mean, there are – who are the great young quarterbacks in the NFC? Well, Jalen Hurts, uh, maybe. You know, He I mean, took a step up this year, for a, sure. He definitely took a step but up. There's but there's still – you're right. There still is there's not – There's still a, an empty space that needs to be filled by a great young up-and-coming quarterback in the NFC that's, like, proven. And I think, I think that's why everybody – you know, going back to the last segment when we talked about – Nobody has to give up a second and a first for Sean Payton. The reason why you do it is because if you think, man, if there's anybody who can make Kyler great, it's him. Like that's that's the thing, right? Like like. 
Kyler needs to be great because they spent a quarter of a billion dollars on him. Who gives you the best chance of making Kyler great? Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Because if he can't do it, nobody is. And you can quickly rule out Kyler Murray as your true quarterback of the future if Sean Payton comes in here and after two yeah. years he hasn't made Kyler Murray great. Let me ask you well, this. Kyler's not going to be great. Never mind that. Call up the, just call up the NFC standings. I'm going to ask you this question. Because there's eight quarterbacks in the AFC that you would take over Kyler Murray. There's at least eight. You know? You would definitely take Buffalo's quarterback, Cincinnati's quarterback, Baltimore's quarterback, Jacksonville's quarterback, Kansas City's okay. quarterback, the Chargers quarterback. There's at least eight quarterbacks in the AFC. How many quarterbacks would you take over Kyler Murray in the NFC? I mean, maybe Jalen Hurts. Okay. Um, Kirk Cousins? Jared Goff? No. Um, Fields? No. No. I, I've, because I, Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta don't have quarterbacks. Nope. Um, Jimmy G. Geno Smith? Nope. Geno Smith? No. Matthew Stafford? Not now. Not, not with the injury. Right. right. No. So what is it? Is he the, I mean, as, as, as much as he regressed, if we're being honest about it, and you're saying you got to have a quarterback for the next five years in the NFC, he's probably your second or third best guy. Yeah. Now you throw the AFC in, and he's not even top, he's not top ten anymore. He's eleventh or twelfth. Mm-hmm. But if you just go NFC, yep. you just go NFC. You're hard pressed to find a lot of guys that you would want for five years over Kyler Murray. You are. Unless you're so down on Kyler Murray that you're like, I'll take Kirk Cousins, I'll take Jared Goff, but I don't know that you would. I'm not there yet when it comes to Kyler Murray. I'm down on him because he regressed. Yeah. But I also, the memory of what he was just a year ago, the memory of how he got better and better and better game after game, season after season for the first three seasons, I still think it's there. I, I just hope whoever the new coach is can reach through that new contract, if that's what the problem is is, if he feels like, you know, kind of empowered and entitled because he's arrived, because he signed this new deal, can reach through that and get the very best version of Kyler Murray, because if it's there, he is still in a great position to kind of dominate the NFC. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, he made his season debut last night. He got plenty of opportunities to prove his worth. Saban Lee joins us next. Burns and Gambo.